Well, do you know what day it is? April 15th, tax day. Are you all done with your taxes? If not, you can take a little bit of a breather because the government has given us two extra days because today is Sunday. But you might have a lot of work to do. On the other hand, if you're done, maybe you can breathe a sigh of relief, huh? Well, the other day I got an email from my tax accountant and she said, uh, would you like me to file an extension for you? And I said, why? I mailed you all the stuff. And she goes, oh, I forgot to tell you, we moved to a new office. So it went to the old office and the forwarding is no longer active. So, so I had to quickly get all the stuff together again and send it off to her. And now just waiting and waiting. Oh no, do I owe, do I owe? Well, fortunately, yesterday I got an email from her saying, you're going to get a refund. Yay! So I'll just wave goodbye to it as it passes through my checking account to pay the college tuition. But at least I got what I hoped for. We have a lot of hopes in life for things, whether it be to get a tax refund, to have good weather, to, be, uh, to see the Warriors win, or whatever it might be. We have hopes for a lot of things, and, and a lot of times those hopes really are just wishes, right? It's just stuff that we would like, like to happen, and we don't really know if it will or not. But as Christians, we also have hopes too, but that hope is different. It's not a wish. It's a certainty, an assurance of what's going to come because of the firm foundation on which that hope lasts. The Apostle Peter described the hope of a Christian as a living hope. We're going to talk about what that means today because he's going to tell us that we get it because of the resurrection of Jesus. And that resurrection of Jesus has changed our lives so that now we can say we are hopeful. But exactly what is that living hope? I think this picture kind of illustrates it well. Here's this little plant growing up in what appears to be dry, hard ground. But it's alive. It's alive because its roots are down there in soil that's good and getting the water, the nutrition, and the sunshine from above that it needs. And who knows, someday that little plant may grow up to be part of a big forest that's reaching up high to the sky. That's living hope. Despite the circumstances around you, you're alive and well. The Apostle Peter is going to tell us how we get that living hope. In the very first part of his first letter, he starts out this way. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who? through faith, are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed at the last time. Let's take a look to see how exactly we get this hope, the giving of it. Peter made it real clear. 
He said, in his great mercy, God has given you this. And he has kept it for you. It's, it's reserved for you. Now, he said, great mercy. Why is God's mercy great? Perhaps you have seen this national debt clock, and maybe you've seen the live version of it where the number changes by the second. And it just shows how the national debt is just increasing beyond our capability to stop it. But now think if that clock were really reflecting your sins. The things that God has told you not to do, but you do. The things that God has told you you should do and you don't. Whether it's our actions, our words, our thoughts, our desires, whatever it is. Now just think of how many of those do's and don'ts you do and don't do all day long. Multiply it by 365 days a year. Multiply it by however many years you're going to live. Multiply it by every human being that has been on this planet and will be. And that number would make this look like peanuts. And yet that number has been paid in full. The debt that was owed to God has been paid. Now, if you don't pay your taxes on time, you're going to have to pay a penalty. And God said there is a penalty also for our sin, our, our disobedience and our failure to do what he has told us to do. But that penalty has been paid in full. There is nothing that we go through now that is any kind of payment for our sin. That payment was made in full by Christ with his death on the cross, under the wrath, under the justice of God. But that still leaves a debt that we owe God because we have to have perfect obedience in order to have eternal life. But that's been paid as well. Not only has the penalty been paid by Christ, but so has that debt. Christ, who with his perfect life, from birth all the way to his ascension in heaven, lived perfectly to the will of God. And that righteousness God gives to us to pay off the debt we owe him. Now you understand what Peter means when he says, in God's great mercy, he has given you a living hope. And that living hope results in an inheritance. That is the receiving of an estate. Not something that we have earned or qualified in any way, but rather one that's simply given to us out of the goodness of the giver. Out of God's love, he has qualified us for this inheritance in heaven, an eternal inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. If you want to talk about things that perish or spoil, look at the back of your refrigerator, right? That doesn't take long. Or something that fades or breaks, just look at the things that we have in life that we always have to replace. Just look at our own bodies that wear down. But the inheritance that God has given for us and that he has preserved for us in heaven, that will never perish, spoil, fade, or break, or, or die off. That has been kept by God's power perfect. 
But what also needs to be preserved is, is you and me, because we only have that inheritance through faith. And that's why Peter said, God now shields you by the power, by the working of the Holy Spirit. You see, we know that we need faith in order to inherit eternal life. But the devil works away at that faith to try to destroy it and take it from us so that we would lose that inheritance. So God wants to shield us with his power. Now, how does he do that? Well, with the Holy Spirit. Well, how does he do that? Through what we call his means of grace, the word and the sacrament. It's in that simple, humble word, black on white, that simply declares God's grace to us. It's in the bread and the wine, which also has the body and blood of Jesus, the very price paid for our redemption, that God shields us and protects us so that inheritance is ours. That's the giving of this thing we call a living hope. But let me stop here and ask you a question. How is your connectivity? How well are you connected? Now, if I'd say that, you'd maybe pull out your phone and you look to see, you know, how many bars do I have? That's how we judge, right? How well we're connected. And if we don't have enough bars, we know, well, maybe the signal isn't strong and, and maybe the call is going to be dropped or maybe I'm not going to be able to get on the internet very fast or whatever it might be. You know, we're always concerned, what kind of connection do I have? And, and that's true also not just for our phones, but uh, also for any other electronic device. You know, do we have a good power connection, or is the cord a little loose, or is there a short in it somewhere? And if that happens, then we know service might be interrupted. The, the battery, if there's a battery there, isn't going to be charged and all sorts of things. The point? Be connected. And that's true for our faith, too. Are we connected to God and his means of grace. We want a strong hope. We want a firm hope. That faith and hope is going to be made strong as we're connected to God's grace. Now, here we are sitting in church and we probably all say, well, I've got a strong faith. And that's good. But keep it strong and make it stronger because a time is going to come when you will be tested in that faith. Peter goes on in those verses that follow, and he tells us that very thing. Therefore, we want to be strong now so that when that trial, when that testing of our faith comes, we are able to stand firm. You see, the, the devil knows that he has to get at us. And though we may have a strong faith, it doesn't mean he backs away from us and says, well, I, I can't get them. Oh, no, he's going to work to get us and to get to others through us. So we need to stand firm. So let me encourage you to consider making your connection with God's means of grace stronger. Get connected with his word. Uh, reading it at home. Getting into one of our Bible studies, our small group program that we have going on during the week, where you get together with fellow Christians and, and, and discuss God's word and apply it to your life. It's going to make you stronger Guaranteed, because God said so. Not only will it make you stronger, it's going to fill you up. 
Now we can look at exactly what is this hope that God gives us. The Apostle Paul has this beautiful little prayer in Ephesians, uh, Romans 15 that describes hope for us. He prays, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The first way that he describes hope is having joy. Now, a few years ago, I had mentioned that one of the things I like at Easter time are chocolate Easter bunnies. But I get disappointed if it's just a hollow one, because I really like the solid ones. You know, they get all that chocolate. Well, ever since that message, somebody in church here always shows up Easter week and puts a chocolate Easter bunny on my desk. Thank you. But they always make it a hollow one and not a solid one. Now, I always check the label first, and sometimes I have to take a bite to find out. But it's always hollow and not solid. But I still want to say thank you to that person. You know what? Because even though it's hollow, I still like the chocolate. Okay? It still tastes good. Well, sometimes in life, it might seem like things are a little empty or hollow. We don't have all the things we would want. But God has still given us his love, his grace, and that surrounds us. And that's the joy that we can have. He has told us that he is in control of all things for our life. Yesterday when we were making visits up at the prison, one of the inmates we were seeing is coming up for his parole hearing this week, and so he's all excited. And I said, James, just remember, and he goes, Pastor, I know, I may not be approved for parole, but it's okay, because I trust that God is in control of everything for me. That's joy. Even though you may not get what you want, you know that God still surrounds you with his love. He has told us that he has given us his son, and he will not withhold anything from us that we need. And so we have absolute assurance of God's blessing in our life. So even when things might be missing, like you have a hollow chocolate Easter bunny, you can still find joy in knowing you have the love of God. And that's because we also have peace. That's part of the hope, the confidence that we have. It's peace with God, oneness with God. You know, in this life, sometimes we don't always experience peace. Sometimes there are people that we don't get along with. Sometimes we hear about countries at war with each other. And we know that sometimes there may be people who are out to harm us. So we lock our doors at night. We lock our car doors. And maybe we always look over our shoulder just to be sure we're safe. But we don't act that way with God, do we? Because we know we have peace with God. We know we have his love and every blessing, not his anger, not his punishment. We have peace. He's accepted us. He's welcomed us. He's adopted us. He's honored us to be children in his family. That's a certainty. That's hope. That's peace. Now, because of what he has done, we also have trust. Recently, in our adult Bible information class, we were going through the commandments. 
the first commandment that says you are to have no other gods, to fear and love and trust in God above all things. And the seventh commandment, which says don't steal, don't take what does not belong to you. And I referred to what we have on our money. You know what I mean, that motto, in God we trust. And yet how often don't we feel that we, we have more trust in our money than in God because we worry if we don't have enough of it or we always work harder to make sure we have enough or even more. It's a little ironic, isn't it? Well, that motto, in God we trust, is good not only for our money, but it's good for everything in our life. In God we trust, not our doctors, though God may use their skills to bless us. In God we trust, not our government, though God may use their authority to bless us. In God we trust, not our own wisdom or hard work, but we'll use those things so that we can understand what God wants us to do. In God we trust. And we have perfect reason to do that. From the very creation of the world, God has been working for us. Through the fall into sin, immediately to promise us a savior, to keep that promise alive, to fulfill that promise in sending his son into this world to be our savior, and then to give us his spirit so we trust it. We can see God's working throughout the history of this world for us. It's the reason we trust. That's being hopeful. But now let me ask you this. Are you satisfied in life? Are there some things you would still like, some things that you think are missing? Probably. But don't let those things bring you down or rob you of the joy that you have in Christ. Pray for those blessings of joy, peace, and trust. And then see how God is going to fill your life with them and then use them. By that I mean live by them. The Apostle Paul tells us what it means to have a living hope. Listen to his words from 1 Corinthians 15. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied. But Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. The first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. With those words, Paul is giving us a little bit about perspective in living in this world. What he's telling us is the life we have now is more than just this life in this world. So much we get attached to the things of this world. Well, it's the only life that we've experienced. But there is another life that God has given us. And he doesn't want us to be trapped, to be tied in, to be burdened down with just the things of this life. You see, we are eternal right now. Oh, there'll become a time when this body is going to have to rest, when it'll wear down and stop. But the soul, the person, that's going to keep living. And for those who believe in Christ, it'll keep living in heaven with God. And then on that glorious day when Christ returns, he's going to unite our soul with our body that he has raised up, 
and he'll glorify that body to be like Christ's glorious body. And so we will live forever with the Lord. That's kind of the perspective that we should have. You know, sometimes when we take trips, you know, we're gone for a few days or maybe a couple weeks or something, we kind of look forward to getting home, don't we? Looking forward to maybe resting from the trip, maybe looking forward to just getting back to where it's comfortable, getting back to a routine that we like. That's kind of the perspective God wants us to keep in mind regarding this eternal life. If you want to read more about what God has in store for you, read 1 Corinthians 15 and let those words describe the glory of that resurrection and that will give you a living hope. And that means that hope is alive in you right now. And here's how you live with that perspective. That's what Paul was talking about earlier in our scripture lesson. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. That's the perspective of a living hope. But in addition to having that perspective, we also have a purpose. God wants us now to be active in telling that good news. What we have is not just for us to keep. It has never been that way with God's people. With the Apostle Paul, with Christians throughout the century, they have proclaimed this good news. And that's why even today, the Christian church is strong and vibrant because of that living hope. The other night we had a meeting of the congregation to talk about what we need with our new second pastor. Now that Pastor Chung has accepted his call to continue ministry in Santa Clara. And what was clear that came out in that meeting, meeting was the passion that people have for wanting to share the word and wanting to see that we keep doing it and keep doing it faithfully. That's living with purpose. Let's not let the time limitations we've put on ourselves slow us down. Let's not let financial challenges become a hurdle. We've got a great message, and we are part of sharing it. So your living hope means right now get yourself ready. Stand firm on the truth of your salvation, which is Jesus has lived, died, and risen for me. That is the most firm foundation there could ever be. But also realize we're part of the great giveaway now, the giveaway of the gospel. You know, from time to time, we hear of stores going out of business, and they'll put a big banner on their building, going out of business sale, everything must go at a discounted price, of course. You still have to pay for it. It isn't free. But what you and I have, and will always have, is meant to be given away for free to a world that needs it, and God has paid for it. So today, it's tax day. 
reminds us of the certainty of taxes and death. But there is one more certainty that comes from God, eternal life. And that's what makes us hopeful. Amen.